One of the reasons that we have small groups, one of the reasons that we want to have more, one of the reasons I spend so much time preparing and endeavoring to teach and impart is because Jesus told us to make disciples of all nations. He did not say go make converts. There's a difference. And there's a huge difference because the church, in my opinion, has missed so much and we've been so inadequate, not wrong. I want to make sure I don't think we're wrong, but I just think we've been inadequate in our ability to understand and explain the gospel of Jesus Christ. I used an illustration several years ago where I had, I don't remember who all it was, but I know Sheila and Kathy and different ones. I had them out here and I got a, a, t, a, a shirt that was my brother's, uh, you, you know, they were bigger shirts than any of those ladies would wear, but they were, they were several uh, bigger short sleeve shirts. And I had them all put on and I buttoned the first button in every one of them and brought them up here and told them to now button it the rest way up. If you don't get the first button in the right hole, you'll never be able to get all of the other buttons in the hole right. Are you listening to me? The church has been, how many of you understand? A button was made on a shirt to go in a hole and you can put a button in a hole. But if it's not in the right hole, you're never gonna get everything else to line up. One of the reasons the gospel doesn't line up for so many people is because they don't have the first button in the right hole. You can button until you're blue in the face and talk about, man, I buttoned and unbuttoned this shirt 50 times and it still don't work. It's because you got to get the first button in the right hole. We wonder why we look at things wrong and it's because we don't have right buttons in the right holes. Now, I've been trying to finish a message for about four weeks now and I don't know if I'll get back to those same notes today or not, but I, 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 I just am excited about the Word of God. I've, I had the privilege this week to spend three days with three of my buddies, uh, Lynn Howes, and Jim Legg, and Charles Simpson, Charles Simpson's one of the pioneers of the shepherding movement. He's a pioneer of the charismatic movement. He's 85 years old and he's, he's just so knowledgeable and you get in a room with him and Lynn Howells going at one another talking about stuff and, and, and into things and it's just, it's just it's powerful and it's exciting. And uh, uh, Tuesday night they spent about four hours talking to me about me. Boy, did I need that. I still ain't straightened out, okay? I still got a few buttons in wrong holes. But I ain't afraid to walk through what you have to walk through. We got to focus. Listen to me. We got to focus on what God's saying to us 
today. The kingdom of God is not about what has happened exactly or what's going to happen. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's about having righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost as you walk with the Lord. One of the reasons that we don't have the right button in the right hole to start with is we think that peace with God and joy is going to be in the sweet by and by. That was a great song, but it's not the word of God. You know, I've sang songs my whole life, and so have you. They're great songs. They're great words to the songs, and I, I, I love uh, music. I love, I love southern gospel music. I love all kinds of music, but we've taken songs that people have made and try to establish them as doctrine. Now, last week I got to talking about this, and I talked about mystery, and I talked about doctrine. I talked about certain things, and today I just feel like I've got to back up and say a couple of things because I, I, I'm constantly dealing with people as we get revelation, as we grow, we have to understand that all the truth and the new revelation that we get and what God's speaking to us and impartation that he's given to us is both objective and subjective. You know, there's a doctrine out around the world that what Satan did put everybody in sin, what Jesus did put everybody in grace. And that's the objective side of the gospel. But if you don't receive subjectively what Jesus provided for you and understand that he wants you to walk with him, you miss the truth of what the gospel is. It's a fact that Jesus has paid for the sins of everybody in the world. Objectively, when he died, he died for all sin. That is a truth. But that's only a side of the shirt that has the place for the button to go and you got to get your button in that hole. Are you hearing me? To have the truth operating in your life. So I'm trying to help us and say, Lord, help us, help us, help us learn what you're saying. Now, you know, last week I got all caught up in talking about being in the Father's presence us getting into his space and him getting into our space. I got, uh, uh, there's nothing greater than you, that in my opinion than you can learn is that the heavenly father wants to come and live in your space. He wants, he, he, he will ignore your flesh and some of your solical ideals and concepts and some of your emotions and certain things that you choose, but he still wants to come in your spirit and live inside of you and walk with you and talk with you and fellowship with you. And he wants you to be in his space. We read in 2 Peter where we have the ability to be partakers. We have the ability because Christ lives in us. We have the ability to be partakers of the divine nature of God. Well, when your first button is in the hole that says that only happens in heaven, you're never going to get the rest of the word of God right. 
You're just never going to get it right. Why? Because if you don't have it now, you say, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. But to live with you now really stinks. Jesus came to the earth that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Listen to me. Doctrine, our doctrines, no matter how significant they are, are incapable of moving us into a relational fellowship with our Heavenly Father. You can have all your doctrines straight. You can know every bit of the Bible. You can quote the Bible. You can go through that. But that doesn't mean you walk with Him or talk with Him on a daily basis. Listen to me. I've discovered that I would rather you know Him and walk with God and talk with God and fellowship with God and have a relationship with God if your theology is terrible. Why? Well, he's the one going to straighten you out anyway. I can't do it. I can't straighten me out most of the time. But it's amazing. It's amazing how when I understand I have a relationship with God, how in the middle of me, not having the theology right, he still likes to come and fellowship with me. He'll still talk to me. See, some people act like that if you don't have it all together and you don't know it and you don't have it right, he don't want to have a relationship with you. That's a lie. That's just not true. But that's the message. Now, man, I want to be careful because I want to get somewhere. Hear me, listen to me. The result of having too much knowledge and methodical understanding of the Scripture and the Word of God is we become puffed up. It amazes me how many people that I would like to see function in the body of Christ, but they're so holy and they're so smart, nobody wants to have a relationship with them. Oh man, they can tell you, they got it down pat. They can tell you what God's going to do and how he's going to do it and when he's going to do it and who it's going to do it through, but it's always going to be done through them. It can't be done through anybody who doesn't measure up to the way they have it read together. And you know, I find him doing things through people and using people I would never use. But he'll use you. Why? Because he loves you. And he'll love you no matter what. Now, I want you to be built up, not puffed up. Y'all understand that? I want to build you on your most holy faith, not puff you up on your most holy faith. So I'm asking God to build us. Now remember, objectively is what God has done for us. Subjectively is how we respond. And it's both of those things, not either or. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I want to begin here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says this. 
eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the hearts of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Now look at me. It doesn't say for those who are going to heaven or in heaven, and he's not talking about heaven. The context, the context of this chapter is not saying that you can't have to wait till you get to heaven to get anything that he see. Eye is not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So let me just ask you a question. Do you love God? See, objectively, he loves. God so loved the world that he gave. But, but I'm asking, do I love God or do I just want God because I have to take him to go to heaven? See, it's amazing to me how many Christians don't love God and don't love their neighbor. But they want to go to heaven. So they say, well, I have to. Well, are you loving when you have to? I don't want my wife to love me because she has to. I don't want my children to love me because they have to. I want them to love me because they love me. It's amazing what God has prepared for those, listen to me, who love him. Now listen to me. We need courage to move out of the constraint of rigid doctrine and to enter a relational world with God where we have safety and freedom to walk with God. If you don't get anything else I say today, I want you to understand, Jesus saved you the way you were in sin. He saved you as a sinner. He died for your sins. He paid the price for your sins. You are safe and secure in Christ Jesus. And you are free now because he paid the way. See, we're teaching you get saved by grace, but now if you goof up, you don't get to go to heaven. How many of you know that's the doctrine that's out here ruling a lot of people? Oh, I can't do that because I couldn't do that and go to heaven. It's a wrong doctrine. It's a wrong button. It's, it's a button and it's a hole, but it's the wrong button in the wrong hole. Doesn't line up with Scripture. Oh, I hope you're all ready for what I got to say. I want to know God's abundant love. The reason I've spent this year teaching on God's love and what love is because I want to know God's love. Can we, listen to me, can we cease being so sin conscious and begin to be father conscious, allowing him to enter our space as a father? Hear me. In church history, the idea of God as a father loses its personal application and seems to get relegated to the ideal that God is a cosmetological ruler over everything on the planet and that he is this great big judge and Lord and God and we somehow 
misunderstand that he wants to have be a providential father and have a relationship with you. Jesus said, that's exactly, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I'm not the way to heaven, even though he is the way to heaven. He was saying, no man comes to the Father. If you take I am the way in the context of the verse, he says, I am the way to the Father. No man comes to the Father but by me. And going to the Father is about having a relationship with the Father just like Jesus has a relationship with the Father. I'm not taking heaven from you because if you, listen to me, if you die and you're in a relationship with Jesus, there's no other place for you to go but heaven. Y'all have heard me say that for years. So and so died. I'm going to a funeral today. Got to go to the funeral tomorrow. I'm not doing them, I'm attending funerals of friends that I have. There's no question in my mind where they are right now. Why? Because they knew and had a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, God is the judge and the ruler and everything. He is omniscient, omnipresent. Y'all heard, I think I told you, the little boy said, I don't know about this God's. Why? Well, he's omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. Said, I don't know if I want to have a relationship with a guy whose first name's Omni. God is both all of those things, the God, but He's also wanting us to rediscover Him as a Father. Now, listen to me. We make a serious mistake, a serious mistake a wrong button in a wrong hole, if we doctrinally consent, if we doctrinally consent or construct, I guess I would be better for me to say, if we just see Christ as the goal and not the way, we misunderstand something. He is our goal and that we've been predestined to be conformed to his image. And I understand that. But he is the way to the Father. Jesus ceases, doesn't really present himself as the goal as much as he presents himself as the way. He came, he said, to take us to the Father. He would say in numerous ways, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So it's God that is in Christ He's bringing an incarnation response that allows us to enter into the presence of the Father with comfort and safety. Let me try to illustrate it like this, and hopefully I'll at least get to my text. I don't know if any of you have ever been in a flight on an airplane where the pilot came over and said, we're getting ready to go through some turbulence. So I would like for you to buckle your seatbelts, bring your chair to an upright position because in the next few moments we may experience some extremely severe turbulence. And for your safety and your protection, I'd like for you to put on your seatbelt. I've been on planes where there have been severe turbulence where you felt that plane just dropping and all kinds of things, the storm beating against it, and it's, it's not an easy thing. But uh, when they come across and they say severe turbulence ahead, 
the pilot is coming on there to explain. Let me, let me say it like this. They don't know what it's coming, what's going to happen or what's going to hit. So it's a mystery to them. And we're all sitting there in a mystery. It's mysterious to us wondering how bad is the turbulence going to be. It's called a mystery. Everybody say mystery. So the pilot comes on to tell you to put on the seatbelt and to put your chair upright because he's doing everything that he can do to make you feel comfortable in mystery. He's not up there and if he would come on there and say, I just want y'all to understand what's ahead is going to be really scary and I'm dangerous and I'm worried and this is my first flight and I don't know whether we're going to make it or not, but you all just back there hold on and pray that we get through this turbulence that we may go through in just a few moments. How would you feel on that plane? You wouldn't feel very secure. Well, if I get up here and I preach, then I'll tell you what, y'all better be careful. I'll tell you what, it's going to get so bad, things are going to get worse and worse. I mean, it's going to get so bad that if you don't know what's going to happen, the devil's going to get you, he's coming after you. He's doing everything he can to destroy you. And if you're not really careful, I just want you to understand, you may goof up, you may make a mistake, you may do something wrong at the very last minute and die and end up in hell. And you're sitting there going, praise God. Listen to me. That's not the life that Jesus brought. And why I struggle with this is because I'm trying to understand and explain a mystery to you. If you listen to everything that's being told to us right now, it's, it's mysterious what's going to happen to the United States of America. It's mysterious what's going to take place or happen on planet Earth. But it's not if you know who created this earth and if you know that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. They want to talk about how bad things can get. They don't want to tell you that this earth is designed because of sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest, to produce more than you could ever imagine. They don't want to tell you how much gold has never been mined, how much silver has never been mined. They don't want to tell you how much uh, coal there is still in the ground and all the other things that's there. They don't want to tell you how much fruit vegetables and plants and grass to feed animals this earth will produce every year because it keeps on building itself because it was not created by science. It was created by God. And God knows how to make things on this earth that will endure. And listen to me. Let me tell you how long it's going to This earth is going to last just as long as heaven is. Because in the verses that he says he's going to have a new heaven, he says he's going to have a new earth. And the first heaven and the first earth will pass away. So don't you worry about it. If this one quits, he's going to make me another one. Pastor Farley, who told you that? My father. Well, but the God of the universe is trying to send everybody to hell. You don't know my daddy. 
you don't know him. You don't understand him. You don't really have a relationship with him. Now watch. I'm trying in the midst of the announcement that there's turbulence ahead. And I do, y'all understand, I do believe there's going to be turbulence ahead. There's no question. In this world, you have many tribulations. But he's trying to give something to us that's going to bring us comfort and rest and freedom. Listen to me. How many of you understand if the earth is the Lord's, do you understand if Jesus is the pilot of the plane or the ship or the boat or whatever it is we're on, the journey, the life that we're living in, the body that we're in, if Jesus is the pilot of that ship, we're more safe with him in turbulence than we are on the ground. What do you mean? I can't reach my destination if I'm not willing to let him pilot me through whatever it's going to take to get me to my destination if I'm afraid of the turbulence. He's the pilot of the ship. Now, hear me say it. The only real safety as far as I'm concerned, the only real safety as far as I'm concerned is being related to Jesus Christ as a Savior. Everybody say, I'll say, say Savior. 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 <sighs> now, man, I hope you get this. When we call Jesus a Savior, what do you think and what goes on in your mind and what do you think a Savior is and what do you think a Savior does? See, I want to talk to you about salvation today. Everybody, want, you think you know what salvation is. But what we've been taught about salvation is totally inadequate. What is a Savior? Now follow me. He is the Savior. Now listen to me. I do believe we may face some very severe turbulence, but here's what I'm after. I'm after having confidence in our Savior, in the mystery of whatever comes in our future. That's what I'm after. What do you mean? Well, let me give you some things that I'm talking about here, about having confidence to live in mystery. Mystery is, listen to me, we've never gone this way before. Say, what do you mean? Guys, you just keep borrowing money to do what you want to do and see where, where you end up financially. Can I tell you? It's real quick. It's called bankrupt. All right. 
Second thing, mystery. Things are out of control. Is that a mystery to you? How many of you understand things are out of control right now? Somebody says, what's going on? Well, it depends on which news channel you listen to. The truth is, when we listen to the news, we don't know what the truth is. A newscaster was Walter Conkright. Most of the kids today don't have, most of you in this room don't even have a clue who Walter Conkright was. Well, anyway, they gave news. They didn't give their opinions. We don't get news today. All we get is somebody's opinion of what's going on. And they have two people to get on there who have different opinions, who's going to argue the opinion so that it confuses you worse. Huh? That's what it is. What are you saying? Well, what did you hear from that? I hear everybody's confused. Things are out of control. The third thing I want you to understand about mystery is that I've got to learn how to be safe in his person. What do you mean? I'm in Christ. I've got to be secure that I'm in Christ and that Christ is in me and that I'm safe because I'm in him, he's in me. He is the pilot of my ship. If he's the pilot of my ship, I have nothing to fear. I have nothing to worry. I'm not going down without him. And I won't go down till he permits it to happen. Mystery. Let me ask you this. If I'm not safe with Christ, how can I be safe in this present condition? I look at people today and I don't, I, I, how do you stay safe if you don't trust Jesus and walk with Jesus? The fourth thing I want to say about mystery is I want to yield to him and not resist him. Now, how many of you realize that we, you and me, don't have it all together and don't have everything in our control. So we got to trust him, walk with him. Now, fear, torment, anxiety, the instrument panel of the boat that's flying our world right now is lit up and it's telling us that there is turbulence ahead. I could read you articles and debated reading you things from uh, uh, the New York Post or the Wall Street Journal where, pe Journal where people are making certain statements and certain predictions of what's ahead for us. If you remember the woman at the well, the woman at the well, she came and she said to Jesus, if, you know, uh, she touched the hem of his garment and he said, your faith has saved you. And that's the word that he used was saved. When we hear that word, we fail to understand everything it means. Bob Mumford did a study, and, and he's, he's who I've got this information from, and, and I want to give you just a little bit about what he said, but Bob Mumford done this study on the word saved. I've tried to look some of them up. I've tried to follow through, and, and it appears to me that everything he said is correct, so I, I want to take him for his word, but I want you to understand who I'm getting this from. He says that there's 70 times in Scripture that the word salvation or saved is used. 
he and his son did a study of 50 of those. I've read through what he did, and so that's my understanding. But listen to what he said. In the 50 out of the 70 that he did, he hasn't done the other 20, but the 50 out of the 70 that he did, looking up the word salvation, not one of those 50 verses has anything to do with heaven. Not one of them. Interesting, isn't it? So when we talk about being saved, listen to me. Well, Pastor Farley, what do they have to deal with? Listen to me. They all have to do with being saved from myself. Secondly, being saved from my enemies. Thirdly, being saved by the, I'll say, the crazies. What do you mean? Being saved from the corruption that is in our flesh. Do you realize you and I need to be saved from the corruption that is in our flesh? I don't trust my flesh. I don't trust yours. I am a Christian most all of the time until I get behind the wheel of a car. And I get behind the wheel of a car and I don't want anybody. My wife has looked at me a thousand times and she says, I wish your parishioners could see you now, Pastor. What do you mean? My flesh gets into, I'm always in a hurry and I'm always wanting to go faster. I have really tried. I'm hoping next year at 70, it'll be the magical year I slow down. Fourth thing, it says, saved from issues. Now listen to this. Saved from myself, saved from my enemies, saved from the crazies, saved from issues, saved from governmental failure. That's in Scripture. Saved, again, from all the stuff that continually comes at us. Not one of the 50 that they researched had anything to do with heaven. Now listen to me. The salvation that we are looking for is will the plane, will the ship, will the journey, will the purpose of God for our lives be fulfilled, does Jesus have the ability in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the tribulation, in the midst of all of the stuff that's happening, does he have the power to work with me and allow me to reach the destination that he has called me to reach? And will he work with us as a corporate church body to be the body of Christ that God has called us to be and has equipped us to be and will the body of Christ survive and be the church that Jesus Christ said he would build? Do we have that confidence or are we going to lose it because of a pandemic? Because of a corrupt government? Can a pandemic or a corrupt government hinder us from becoming everything the captain of our ship says we're going to become and do? 
What do y'all think? I don't think we believe that, do we? I believe he's going to get us to where he wants us to go. How many of y'all believe that? Well, that's the hope I'm trying to give you today. See, I'm not sure we know what salvation really means. What's God's purpose for salvation? I mean, I've said this for years. I've heard greater men than me argue the whole point. If it's all about just going to heaven, why, why does he let us go through hell here on the earth? I ain't supposed to say that, am I? That's just the truth anyway. I could have said Hades and you Christians would have been okay. Part of the mystery is, part of the mystery is how God uses conflict and circumstances to do two things. Two things. Number one, hear me say this. Every conflict I've been through in my life, he uses that conflict to help me help somebody else who's going through it. Every one of them. If I hadn't gone through certain things, I wouldn't know. I think Beverly's a hero with two knees because one hip at a time like that killed me. I have compassion for what parents go through with their children because we go through things with our kids. I can remember when I was a boy growing up and my brother had the first two kids in the family and I would do stuff to try to make them mean because I was ornery and I wanted them to be ornery. My brother looked at me and he said, your day's coming. He died because if he's alive today, I'd kill him. I'm kidding. What do you mean? Well, he was right. He probably spoke that into existence into my life. Now watch. Do you all understand that every conflict God uses, he used that conflict to help others. That's a mystery. Let me read this to you from Scripture. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Verse 3, I'm going to read this to you first from the New King James and I'm going to read it to you from the Living Bible or from the Message Bible, but listen to this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Does that sound like what I'm talking about right there? Watch. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Listen, Jesus came and suffered so that we could have his life. We suffer so that others can have his life. But the church is so selfish, we make it all about us. 
Well, I'm just going through this because I guess I goofed up. I said I said a dirty word. I guess I did something wrong. I guess I did something I shouldn't do, and it's just is what I deserve. Well, that's what you think, but that's not right. That's a wrong button in a wrong hole. He lets you go through some stuff so you can help somebody else. Well, whoop-de-doo. That's why I'd just soon go to heaven. Well, bye. I ain't trying to get rid of you. I'm just simply saying, he, this is what his word says. Watch this, verse five. For the sufferings of Christ also abound in us, so our consolation also abound through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Your consolation and what? Salvation. Huh. I'm afflicted for your salvation. Wonder if it's to save you to get you to heaven for your sins or wonder if it's to save you to get through the struggle that you're going through right now. Now, if we are afflicted, it's for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we all suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and what? Salvation. Can we put that up in the Message Bible? Let me just read it to you. Watch this. Put it up here. All praise to the God and Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times, and before you know it, He brings us alongside someone else who is going through the hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. It's called being like Christ. We have plenty of hard times that come from the following. Messiah, but no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. When we suffer for Jesus, it works out for your healing and salvation. If we are treated well, given a help, helping hand and encouraging word, that also works to your benefit, spurring, on, spurring you on, face forward, unflinching. Your hard times are also our hard times. When we see, you've, when we see that you're just as willing to endure the hard times as to enjoy the good times, we know you're going to make it, no doubt about it. But the Christians who judge everybody all the time go around when you're going through a hard time want to talk about what's wrong with you. If you were as good as me, that's not what the scripture teaches. Aren't you glad it don't teach that? Say, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying, don't worry about what's ahead. There's going to be somebody that God brings to your life who's going to help you get through what you're going through and take you where you need to go. Charles Simpson, one of the things he said to me Tuesday night, he said, Stu, the experiences that you've gone through are a mission for your future. God hasn't allowed you to suffer the things you've suffered without the privilege of being able to get somebody else through that. It's called salvation. What is saved from sin means you don't have to sin and sit a saved from sin so you can go to heaven. 
What if it means the Lord wants to save you from sin today? What if it means that? But we've made it all about heaven. Boy, I'm preaching good today. I'm preaching to me. <laughs> I'm preaching to me today. Help me, Lord. Well, my time's up, and I'm not finished, but just let me say this. The strange mystery, strange mystery of the kingdom is that we all experience certain things in our life that's really not about us. He allows us to experience certain things so that we can be his light to others. So if we weren't so selfish, just looking at ourselves, we would be saying, thank you, Lord, that you saw me worthy to get through this and that you're willing to choose me to be your messenger in what I'm going through. Addicts don't want somebody who's never dealt with addiction ministering to them because they don't have a clue what it is they're going through. And what happens to Christians is we get so Christian we forget what it is to be a sinner and we can't help sinners because we're righteous. But let me help you with something. That's why you keep goofing up when nobody's around. That's why you keep blowing it when nobody's there because he's trying to keep you from getting so religious. You can't help anybody else. Well, Pastor Farley, I want to be perfect so I can go to heaven. If you're depending on you to go to heaven, you don't have the credentials because only thing that gets you to heaven is J-E-S-U-S. Why? because he went through what he went through so that he could minister us and save us for what we're going through. He came and was tempted in every point like we are. That's what scripture says. Well, so what am I saying? I know my time's up. I'm way over time, but I want to say this. He has imparted his life to you so that you can impart his life to someone else. Every time, I told you this the other day, but every time I go to Huntington and I get around people that my daddy was their pastor, I can't be around them very long till they say, I see your daddy all over you. Not in just how you look, but in how you are and what you do. I want him to see my heavenly father all over me too. I want to behave the way my heavenly father would behave. I want to be willing to see him represented through me. That's what being a Christian is all about. We've experienced redemption, but redemption is, can I get redeemed from, I, I mean, you know, 
Can I get redeemed from the crazies that's going on in our world right now? Do y'all understand there's crazies going on? And I need the salvation of God in my life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege that I have to pastor people who are authentic, people who are real, people who are willing to tell themselves the truth and accept the truth about themselves in a way that can allow your spirit and your power to operate and work in their lives. Father, I just thank you and praise you for your goodness to us and your goodness to this great body. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for walking with us and coming into our space and for allowing us the privilege of getting in your space. Thank you for your kindness and your love now. In Jesus' name, amen.